tuning into Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. Our guest today is Pavni Khandelwal, the founder and CEO of Atmanirbhar, which is a social venture enabling the possibility of daily mobility for women. Not only this, Pavni also runs two non-profit organizations. There are some things which lose all attention because of the severe stereotyping we are subjected to and don't attempt to do enough to understand the serious implications that has. For example, we treat masculinity as mobile and femininity as static. Individuals such as Pavni have the boldness to attack this categorization. Atmanirbhar, her company, has demonstrated success by training more than 9,000 women in more than 12 tier two and three cities to drive two wheelers, thus enhancing participation from women towards social growth, equality, and development. Head on over to atmanirbhar.com to look at Pavni and her team's story today. We are here to talk to Pavni about a very sensitive subject, a subject which is not so welcome to talk about. It is stigmatized, and that is mental health issues. Pavni has faced mental health issues since the last 10 years or so, from the age of about 17. Let us talk to Pavni to understand how she braved this how this helped her to discover her inner calling. Pavni, a big hug and welcome to Small Big Wins. Thank you so much, Harsh. And thank you for uh, making this platform comfortable enough for me to be you know, actually able to even uh, think that I can talk about this issue here. There have been a lot of times when I've been asked to talk about this issue on public platforms and never did I ever feel as comfortable enough to think that I can actually talk about it. And this is the first time that I'll be talking about this on a public platform. And it's only because you have provided me that safety net. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. They are very big words, Pavni. I hold them in full trust and value what you have said. Thank you so much. People who want to know more about the tangible work which you are doing can always look at Atmanirbhar and they can reach over to you. So let's dive into the main topic of our conversation today. I want to start by asking, when was the first time the mental health problems were noticed? Who noticed it? And what were the first reactions, the first steps which were taken? The first time I felt that there was something that was of serious concern was in 2012. I had just uh, come to my 12th class. I was living in Kota and I was preparing for IITJ. And uh, this, this started with certain bouts of anxiety, a feeling of anxiousness. And I thought it's very common generally. You always feel it. I, I had always felt it throughout my life at different stages before going to a stage, before a basketball match started, before my board exams. So I thought it's something similar to that. And uh, maybe it will just go away in a few days. But then a few days passed by and it didn't go away. And then a couple of weeks passed by and it didn't go away. On the other end, what happened is that it actually started manifesting for longer and longer durations of time. So initially when it started, I would just feel butterflies for a couple of hours for absolutely no reason. And during those couple of hours, I was struggling to breathe properly. I could feel that uh, all my muscles were very numb and very tight. And I thought that eventually subdue within a couple of days or weeks. Instead of subduing within a couple of weeks, I was at a state where the physical manifestation of my anxiety had gone to such levels that I could not eat properly. I could not sleep properly. I could not talk. I started stammering. I could not make notes during my classes. I would keep shivering. And um, that is when I realized, okay, something is wrong. This is not that anxiety that you have. Uh, when you go for an exam or when you um, go to the stage to give a speech or this is not the one that happens before the final basketball match. This is something that I need to probably visit a health expert for. 
and um, that is when i reached out to my parents and i told them that listen something's wrong with me i've been feeling anxious but this is not the normal anxious this is there is something uh, more to this and that is when the first time we visited a psychiatrist it all actually accelerated very quickly being absolutely normal to within a few weeks feeling physically handicapped because mentally emotionally i felt absolutely normal there were no particular triggers or there were no thoughts that were bothering me generally in anxiety or in depression or any kind of mental health issues there are generally certain thoughts that are bothering you because of which anxiety manifests in my case it was completely opposite there was physical manifestation that occurred first and it was so strong that it hampered my daily life and uh, that is when i decided to go to a doctor and seek expert advice this started when you were in kota yes i was in kota and, and, and uh, your parents live in mathura my parents live in mathura so how was this gap bridged you were in school at that time so did you take a break and you went purposefully and told them how did it really happened to be honest i was doing really good in my life at this point i was in the top 20 batch in kota i had amazing friends people who are till date very close friends of mine i share deep connections with these people but yeah everything was really good in life so anxiety striking from nowhere just did not add up like this is the only thing that did not add up everything's going great in life and then all of a sudden this happens and uh, it just kept getting worse every day thankfully i had local guardians in kota who were also very supportive and who were understanding i think more than understanding i would say that everybody in my family was willing to understand nobody in my family has mental health issues everybody in my family is into business and uh, most of them have uh, not even gone to college okay my dad is barely a high school pass my mom's a graduate and um, they really do not have much understanding of what mental health issues are but at every point they were willing to understand so when i first called them and said that something's happening they did not come to me with questions like why what are you thinking it will go away don't worry too much don't do this don't no they didn't do all of that they asked me okay tell us what are you feeling and they they came with a open heart and said that okay we are as clueless as you are but we are in this together and let's figure this out together so there were no preconceived notions they never really came to me saying that do you think that this could just be you stressing about things or uh, maybe why don't you just try to calm down go for a vacation go try to meditate do this do that no they told me okay maybe this will feel better this will feel better but at the same time they were very open to trying to understand saying that we we do not know what is going on right now and let's be on this journey together let's learn together what will help you feel better what will not and uh, because of that even though they were not physically with me in kota throughout i always felt very supported i always knew that they were only a call away and they always created this safety for me that no matter what happened in the world i could always come back to them there was a point when my parents said when anxiety happens anxiety generally means that the dictionary term means that you worry too much about the future now in my case that was not the case where was still happening and the least that somebody can do to trigger it more is make you more worried about the future right oh my god this is happening to you now what will happen what will happen to your 12 what will happen to your iit goals what will happen to this what will happen to that my parents literally told me it's okay if you don't study in the future at all we are okay with it we don't worry we don't care what is going what tomorrow is going to be like you want to be at home for the rest of your life it's fine i'm still going to love you the same so no, there was not even a single day when because of the people in my life because of my family because of my friends i had to worry about uh, my 12th exams or my itj exam or other things i i could literally only focus on myself and dealing with my mental health and uh, that is the best kind of support i think uh, that anybody can give to anyone uh, while they are struggling through any kind of a mental health issue right it is in one way a difficult thing to understand because your parents you said are very let us say only reasonably educated or do not have high education they come from a very small town so even the exposure is not there to big places or people who are very educated or in high places and and they had this approach so let me ask you how were you grown up as a child what was the environment like what was your style of growing you up so technically i come from a banya family 
and most of the women in my family were married by the age of 21 22 my extended family is also to an extent quite conservative but thankfully that's not how my parents were and um, they were always very rational in approach okay and they always made me ask a lot of questions so if they say anything they would always make me if anybody tells you to do anything ask them why am i supposed to do this why should i be doing it this way and uh, I think uh, it hit them when I asked, started asking them the same question. Why are you telling me to do this? Why should I do it this way? So then, the joke. So it basically came a full circle with themselves. But yes, that's the kind of environment I was grown into, where I was told to not accept anything just because I'm being told to. Uh, do it up my dad has specially encouraged me to be really bold without telling me to be bold when i first learned how to drive my dad uh, made me change and this was when i was just 16 okay and we had a driver everything but he still made me he told the driver to sit and he said before you take the car out of the garage you need to change all the four tires and then he kept a baseball bat in that car <laughs> <laughs> which was the best part ever. so i used to drive a car with a baseball bat in the boot of my car so they always made me feel very independent they grew me in a way where in this at that you know you have to be bolder but at the same time we're here for you so the worst case scenario you call us so yes i've tried to fight most of my battles myself but i've always known that my parents are still there but like worst thing have worst case scenario they're always there and i'm very grateful to uh, have been born in such an environment टीचर्स To be very honest, I did not have as many challenges in school with fellow teachers and students as as much as I did in college. And this is very surprising. In Kota, all my teachers were very understanding, even though they were very competitive when it came to academics. But the moment they felt that I'm feeling uncomfortable in the class, even though it was the middle of the class, they would just very uh, compassionately tell me to go home. rest they would tell me okay we'll take classes for you later so they were very cooperative and so were the fellow students i was actually surprised when i was not met with a similar treatment in college i was rather met with a lot of rumors that were spread about me there was a lot of stigma about mental health when i was in college and there was a very big difference in the kind of people that were in both of these places most of the people when i was in school when i was studying uh, taking classes in resonance came from middle class or moderate socio economic backgrounds from tier 2 tier 3 cities on the other hand when i went to college there were all people from very high income families very educated families highly literate upper class tier 1 cities uh, metro cities and uh, i was very shocked to actually be met with not a very compassionate environment in college rather being mocked in fact i was actually bullied in college so somebody like me who used to carry a baseball bat around in her car was bullied in college and that's just how the kind of environment was in college and it was very surprising and because of that i actually stopped going to college and i started working uh, within the first semester I can't go to a place where I'm met with so much judgment, and yeah, I just stopped going to college after that. I also did not make a lot of friends from college, despite of being a very social person throughout my life. And uh, I found entrepreneurship to be my true calling in college, and started a startup. You completed your degree, but you stopped attending college, and you ventured into your own startup at that time. Correct to an extent, yeah. I only went to college to give exams and like to get through the right. bare minimum attendance. I understand. So, Pavni, in it's ten years that you are facing these issues, and you have done a lot in these ten years, which is available in the public space of what you have achieved. But what were some of your most challenging times in these ten years, particularly because of mental health issues? I think the first two years were extremely challenging for me because this is a period where I was really taken by surprise as to what was happening to me. Everything's going good, and then all of a sudden, life takes you by surprise, and you're just trying to figure out this puzzle as to 
what is happening why is this happening to me and the physical manifestation of my anxiety like i said made things really really bad i was a very active kid teenager throughout my schools I, i used to play a lot of sports i used to participate in all activities i used to work very actively in community building activities i used to run my own ngo in class 7th so throughout my school i used to teach poor kids i was also very good with academics i was always the first um, you know i topped my board exams and then all of a sudden when anxiety happened i became this very lifeless zombie sort of a person and there was a time when i was taking up to 20 pills in a day and these were all sedatives i couldn't even ride my scooter uh, i couldn't uh, walk properly i couldn't uh, take notes It's very small things that my body wanted to do i couldn't do them with my body i couldn't eat sleep properly uh, i couldn't talk to people and it, i love doing that i love talking to people i love making friends i couldn't do that i would often feel very embarrassed uh, in public spaces because i was just not being myself the cherry on the cake was panic attacks so within 3 to 4 months of dealing with anxiety i used to have at a time two to three panic attacks in a day and panic attacks can be really scary a panic attack might just last 10 minutes but you think about it throughout the day <laughs> it is so scary the hangover of a panic attack is scarier than a panic attack itself so this phase of my life was i think really difficult and uh, i was supposed to write my board exams in 2013 but because my my muscles used to be so numb i could not even write one single page forget alone an exam i decided to take a gap year and i actually took my board exams in 2014 and uh, very surprisingly again my entire family my friends there was no judgment around taking a gap year saying ki i she is not writing a board exams this year and that's all nobody asked for explanations okay fine she write next year so what big deal nobody really made a big fuss about it and that was a very comforting feeling for me because i was already feeling ashamed of myself for not being able to take my board exams right board exams till date are a very big deal however i would say that these two years were also the years when i took the most drastic decisions of my life that really changed the course for me deciding to not pursue engineering and rather pursue bba and uh, be an entrepreneur deciding to travel throughout my gap year i chose to travel a lot and uh, i did a lot of solo traveling and this could only happen because life was very challenging at that point it could not have hit like it was already at an all time low <laughs> uh, and the only thing that kept me going was i need to get through the day that is my small win uh, my small win is i need to get through today i don't care about how tomorrow is going to be but uh, today is pathetic and i need to get through today we'll we'll think about tomorrow when it comes and um, that is how i just kept going day on day surviving through all the medicines sleepless nights panic attacks i used to eat a lot of custard actually <laughs> because of all the medicines uh, there is nothing else i could eat so i i could only drink beverages okay and i needed sweet things because from all the medicines my mouth used to be so bad all the time so just that that that's how i got through it custard and the motivation to get through today was uh, what kept me going and i didn't even realize how i ended up making these big decisions wherein i don't want to pursue engineering this is this is this was never meant to be for me my inner calling was always entrepreneurship and doing something for the community and yes i i, I think at the end of the day i'm just really grateful that these two years could get so challenging had they been a little less challenging i would have probably not made as drastic decisions that i made choosing to just decide to go to leladakh overnight all by myself and uh, i was just 18 years old i don't think this, like this was that royal enfield surgeon yeah okay you must tell our uh, listeners a little more about it so th- these two years really made me very courageous and strong and they made me ponder that in every situation always think what is the worst that can happen and uh, i felt that the worst has already happened there's nothing that can happen anymore so let's just do it and uh, even till today any time we are in my teams we are in a situation where we feel that okay this is challenging um this is risky i always tell them to ask okay what is the worst that will happen tell me that if we can afford the worst then we're doing this the first two years which were the most challenging but these were also the years where you took the break year from your board exams and you were partly in quota and then partly you were uh, traveling and you were traveling solo yes 
and you were on a bike you were traveling on a bike i was so what what did you do you took a bike in mathura and you just went to leh ladakh on that bike How, what did you do no so actually before my ladakh trip i had never rode a bike i had rode a bike but i never rode a royal enfield and uh, somebody in my family had a royal enfield and i always been fascinated by it and i i told him like a couple of times listen i know how to ride a bike like so then when i went to ladakh had a lot of these shops where they would just rent out bikes and these bikes were parked outside so it's my first day in ladakh and i go to a bike shop and i said what does it require for me to rent a bike is nothing we we need these documents and that's it and i was confident that i can ride it it's a 200 kg bike what is the worst that will happen gir to jayenge lag jayegi ऑलमेंटी and my knee is bleeding and i'm just like lying there i'm looking to my left i'm looking to my right there is nobody <laughs> then i just get up and then i'm just looking at the bike acha like how can i lift this up i don't think so can i so there was but then there was the first time when i just tried lifting the bike and it just lifted i don't know like it it felt like something in the nature was really helping me lift it it happened so smoothly and it made me feel so powerful that um, This is my first day I'm riding a bike I fall down it's a 200 kg bike I lifted it so easily and maybe there are there are going to be more challenging situations in life coming forward but all I have to do is try and I think uh, it it will just happen as smoothly as this did and that has really changed my perspective of looking at problems being in stressful situations throughout my life and uh, just heading into problems with a we'll see what happens approach what's the worst that will happen approach what's the worst that will happen fantastic and <laughs> and in this trip in in le ladakh it was an unplanned trip you never knew the next day where you are going and where you are going to stay yes completely unplanned i i really want to ask you and i know your mantra of what is the worst that will happen but there was no fear no so honestly if if i were to go now with the same approach i would probably have fear but at that point like i said the worst was already happening the challenge for me was to get through the day that's all i cared about and uh, if living fearlessly riding my bike not caring where i'm going to eat where i'm going to stay who i'm going to meet and i made a lot of friends in ladakh i made friends with the with a receptionist at a local uh, restaurant where i used to eat a lot i made friends with my guest house daughter the two of us used to chat so much so i made unexpected friends and you know i was actually met with people who really cared about me even there like uh, i was there only for 7 days but i was received with a lot of love it used to get really cold but the place where i was staying these people every night would check on me are you okay are you feeling cold do you need a water bottle do you need a hot bottle so even that love and compassion did take away the fearlessness to quite an extent from me phenomenal pavi what have been the stage of mental health so it started i would say from feeling that this is nothing like this is just, never could i have ever imagined 10 years back that i'm going to have to live with this for 10 years or probably the rest of my life it's like a stranger all of a sudden i i personify my anxiety a lot it it is almost like dealing with another person living in your body trust me and there are times when you see eye to eye with each other there are times when you don't see eye to eye with each other at all and you are you're in a constant conflict with yourself so initially it's like a stranger coming into your life and you're like okay maybe they're just relatives okay so they'll stay here for a couple of days and you don't really like those relatives but then they just their stay is just lingering on 
it's going on it's not ending so initially it was that it was only when i when the physical manifestation started i started taking a lot of medicines that it hit me hard that okay this is not going anytime soon this is chronic this is a severe illness it is it it i was never dealing with a very mild form of anxiety like i said within the initial couple of weeks my health really deteriorated very badly and uh, i was dealing with very severe symptoms of um, anxiety the second stage that occurred was where i was the when it hit me that this is severe this is chronic there's so many medicines that i have to take 20 medicines a day medicines for everything medicines to sleep this that i just felt like staying in bed all day and i would just keep pitying myself ki mere sath hi kyu ho raha hai why is this happening to me what did i do and that is a horrible place to be pitying yourself and especially when you always take in charge of your life so even though i i was 17 18 but before that also when you asked me how what is the kind of environment that i was grown into i was grown into an environment where i was always encouraged to make my own decisions no decisions were ever just put on me that this is what you have to do so living a life where all, i was driving my own life to anxiety was driving my life i i really got into a stage where i would just keep pitying myself all day and it went on for quite some time for like at least a couple of months i would i would just be in bed all day eating custard <laughs> pitying myself and then finally i think uh, there was this realization okay how long is this going to go it's been a few months it's not getting better we need to fight this so all of us sudden it's like me and my anxiety we are in a boxing ring and i'm just like constantly fighting it so sided so these crazy things it's a traveling for example was actually i would say a form of fighting my anxiety it was not a form of completely accepting it, it was a form of fighting it. it was a form of running away from it. it was a form of living one day at a time feeling free liberated doing things that are that keep me distracted and i would say but really fought it i i wouldn't have known uh, what it takes to trigger it how powerful can it be or uh, how exhausting also it can be as a process to completely to constantly keep fighting it you can do it for a couple of months you can't keep doing it forever you can't just keep running and doing how to put it just like crazy things every day and this went on for i would say at least 3 4 years in my life it has actually been just very recently that i've actually come to a understanding with what it is what really triggers it what keeps it at bay it's i can take my time right <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, जो आ रहा है मन में बोल दो इतना सोचो मत द प्रोसेस ऑफ अंडरस्टैंडिंग आई थिंक रियली स्टार्ट्स व्हेन यू स्टॉप क्वेश्चनिंग इट आई थिंक वी वर हैविंग दिस कन्वर्सेशन अर्लियर आल्सो दैट व्हेन यू ट्रूली वांट टू अंडरस्टैंड समबडी और समथिंग यू विल हैव टू स्टॉप क्वेश्चनिंग द इंटेंट एंड जस्ट एक्सेप्ट इट फॉर हाउ इट इज एंड द अंडरस्टैंडिंग फेज really started when i completely stopped questioning everything around why is it happening why is it happening to me what can i do to make it better what will happen next what will happen in my life so all worries stress it was only when i completely stopped questioning it that uh, i started understanding it like it started opening up to me when i stopped asking questions that is when it started opening up to me that this is what so it's talking to your anxiety and saying okay this is what triggers me this is what i don't like this is what will make me feel better and um, in this period of understanding my anxiety this is the period when i've actually grown as a person the most I realized that following a routine is of the most tremendous help while you are going through any kind of a mental health issue this is also a stage that has taught me gratitude in life obviously i started practicing gratitude as a very conscious practice that i have to sit down and take out time for gratitude every day but over this period of uh, just trying to understand uh, this other person uh, called aka pavni's anxiety that's also living simultaneously that i've truly started being grateful for everything that has happened in the past 
and connecting the dots and uh, realizing that life would not have been the same had anything been even slightly different this is also a phase that has helped me develop a lot of resilience as a person and i've realized that for example working out right uh, a lot of times they say that it is very important you work out like all my therapists psychiatrists psychologists have said that working out it will release ho- happy hormones it will release happy hormones definitely working out releases happy hormones but i think what working out does more in in the case of mental health issues is that it makes you a stronger person it creates discipline in you as a person and that discipline that strength is the most important on days when you can't get out of bed on days when you don't have anxiety you are non it is very easy to get up go about regular chores do your morning routine have a nice breakfast with your family get to office on time be nice to everyone around it's on days when anxiety catches you red handed that it is difficult to do any of these things to even get out of bed is difficult and that is when that discipline the routine the strength that working out gives you comes in handy there used to be days when i would just be in bed for hours contemplating everything that has happened in life now every time anxiety happens it barely takes me 1 minute or 2 minutes to get out of my bed and start my normal routine like okay this is happening this can keep happening in the background so fighting uh anxiety or i would rather say dealing with anxiety now it's not a fight anymore it's like breathing i breathe every day i don't have to put an extra effort to breathe i don't or normal activities in a day that is how i'm dealing with anxiety it still happens on an everyday basis but i deal with it more subconsciously now because of these small habits that i have formed and yes gratitude is one of the things that has helped the most in forming these habits and sticking to these habits how has gratitude played a role in this how did you bring in gratitude being a major way of you coming over anxiety so let me talk about what i was doing when i was in school i was running this non profit where we were teaching around 40 50 kids i was a kid myself back then but this is the closest that i came to what an inner calling could be as i grew up i had a really good academic score throughout which is why there was engineering ias this that and maybe i really never wanted to do all of that but i was pretty comfortable abiding by those norms because ha acche marks aa rahe hain everybody wanted to do this why not right what's the harm and it it's like a proven road to success you do your 11 12 from science plus you engineering you go to an iit you become an ias officer so it's all sorted anxiety actually changed all of this for me it threw me at a rock bottom and i had to start from a zero even how i spoke i was an orator throughout my school life i used to be in debates and uh, when i was suffering from anxiety i couldn't even speak properly without stammering so it i really had to start everything from ground zero and from that ground zero to where i have come now every day i feel like i'm doing something that i was actually supposed to do giving back to community working with women this is always what i was supposed to do i don't think i wanted to be an is officer ever i don't think i ever wanted to be an engineer and i'm only able to pursue this because that happened and there are a lot of such small things that have happened that have made me who i am or what i'm able to do for others and that has been the root of gratitude in this entire process i would not have been nearly as strong as i am i would have never probably even thought of pursuing spirituality i was living quite a millennial life <laughs> like um uh, uh, far very far away from gratitude or meditation or even asking yourself questions about what is the purpose of my life what what am i even doing what am i supposed to do all of these were questions that only happened because of anxiety nahi to main kabhi puchti nahi khud se ye sab you you channel life the energy of that anxiety i tried to there was no other option like it was more like a do or die situation you you yeah. had to do something about it yeah. Varna, I think in situations like you describe, it's very easy to form a kind of an adversarial relationship with yourself, and the fact that you stopped questioning it is, I think, one of the key messages which I'm getting out of this. 
I think it's not like I don't want the answers or I did not want the answers. The thing is that I realized that I will get the answers when I stop questioning it. Yes. So on this, I want to read this out to you. And I was just, that is why I was looking down because I was searching for this, which, which someone had sent me, one of my dear friends. It says, live everything. Don't search for the answers which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then someday you will gradually, without even noticing, live your way into the answer. This is by a gentleman called Rainer Rilke. This is you putting in two lines everything I've been trying to explain for so long in words. <laughs> Thank you for articulating it so beautifully. I think these are just beautiful chances. One of my close friends, Vaidi, he sent it to me for some other reason because I was questioning things too much. I think the easiest thing to slip into in, in these situations is a relationship with yourself which does not have self-esteem. You go away from responsibility. You form certain opinions of yourself which otherwise you wouldn't want to. So I'm very glad that we are having this conversation and I hope that the way you describe it and the people who face this, and perhaps all of us at sometimes, someone less, someone a little more, someone on all days, someone only on some days. But I think we just don't need to question things so much. We can live into the questions for some time. Absolutely. And just like living one day at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think we have reached a moment in history or the times are such that self-esteem is not only a very important psychological need, it is also a very important economic need. And I think here a lot of credit to the family in which you are born, to the parents who, who raised you not like to become an obedient child, but become more of a thinker question everything, be more self-responsible than being obedient. And a very recent example, right? Like, so right now, I've always made it a very conscious choice to not be around people who judge me or who do not accept me for who I am. Like, I know I'm a rebel. I know I'm an outlier in a lot of terms. So if there is somebody who is not comfortable with that, I'm okay not being around them. And some of these people are all of my mother's side family. My parents have actually gone for a vacation and my entire mom's family is there, okay? And then everybody is just trying to incentivize me. We'll go, we'll do this, we'll do that. And I told my mom, and my mom understands this, which is the most beautiful part. I told her that, listen, I, I know, but I just don't feel belonged there. I don't think that they really understand the kind of person I am and are willing to accept me for who I am. I feel that there is a lot of judgment and I can just sense that judgment. And for that reason, I just don't want to go because it is going to take away a lot of energy from me. I'm sure I'll meet them like, you know, sooner or later. But I don't think my idea of having a vacation is with them, right? Like it is supposed to recharge me. It is not supposed to deplete me of energy. And uh, my parents really understood that and they did not force me even once to know, but this is your family. How can you not be with, which happens all the time, right? You're supposed to be with your family. You're supposed to be with your relatives they really respect me a lot that way and uh, they know okay that if she's saying this she must have thought this through which is why she doesn't want to come and that stand for me with the other people in the family and this entire these small small steps of putting myself first have actually helped me rebuild my self-esteem a lot Every time I would listen to others and do things that deplete me of my energy, these little things that I've done to stand up for myself, to stand up for protecting my energy, safeguarding my individuality, respecting me for who I am, have really helped me just love myself more. And that is also a very important part of coming to terms with my anxiety. And I see it evolve into, like I said, right, like the two people, there's me, there's Pavni's anxiety, there's Pavni and Pavni's anxiety and these two people don't see eye to eye with each other at all, they hate each other and I'm gradually coming to terms with it and in the future, I want to be one with it I, I, I don't want to feel like that these are two different people anymore or that there is something that is inside me that is different from me 
I want to feel completely one with it. And if I want to feel completely one with it, I need to love myself and uh, put myself first, uh, treat myself with compassion. And these little things that you do actually take that away from you. Being in places where you don't feel belong. And I have no reason to be in a place that I don't feel belong when there are so many people who love me so much and are always there for me without any uh, agenda. Uh, just there for me unconditionally then why should I be among anybody who makes me feel unbelong yeah I think that has been very instrumental part of your not slipping into any kind of loneliness or any kind of disowning any anything about your own self I think your parents have been a key role in that and a lot of reverence and a lot of pronouns to them from my side thank you I'm going to pass it on to them I'm really blessed to have them as my parents and uh, I know I think a lot of people my age younger than me are these days going through mental health issues and uh, if their parents are listening to this please get in touch with my parents I don't know how they do it I think it takes a lot more courage Uh, when you ask me did I go through fear when I was in Ladakh I think that's not the question that matters it's I always think about the fear that my parents had when I went to Ladakh and they still decided to overcome that fear like for me it was just living life right right now like I didn't have an option but for them to send their child all alone to Ladakh at 18 riding a bike um, for three days I did not even have a sim so I had no contact with them because Ladakh had postpaid sims and uh, I had a prepaid sim I did not know this I remembered I was going on a solo trip to Bangalore and uh, we were traveling I was traveling in first AC and uh, there were three men in that chamber and there was just me and all of these three men were uh, much older to me and this was the first time right like this was going to be a 26 28 hour journey and when my dad entered there and my dad looked here and there he was like okay yeah koi bhi nahi hai <laughs> my daughter is going to be traveling alone with these three men i don't know who they are and uh, i saw that look on his face and he was flushed he he was not comfortable and he still did not say anything to me. He told me. So they have. They are actually the ones who overcome fear much more than I have. So Pavdi, I need <laughs> to have a conversation with them. Can we set it up? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I think we will, we will go more, more into the story behind the story by talking to them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're, they are just phenomenal. I'm so glad that you are in such a family and I hope that listening to this story, I think this this whole peer pressure with parents today of, of having live up their children to a certain way and a certain method or a certain threshold, I think that puts them in such a dizzy to do things without even thinking. That whole part of thinking is just totally absent. I agree. Um and the respect for your child's individuality and seeing that even though it might be your child but they have their own thoughts that they want they might want to lead their life in their own way that they might want to pursue their own you know maybe religious interests or intellectual freedom probably to be able to do that so many children, as many children as adults in the society, but their voice has no place. Correct. And if their voice has no place, how will they have individuality? And Jigyasa is doing a fabulous work in bringing out those voices. Yes, yes. In building that self-esteem in children and giving that creative confidence, I think, of phenomenon. And at that, in those layers of society. In fact, I remember as a child, even when I I used to go for debates, right? Every time there would be inter-school debates. Everything that we wrote and that we were going to say in our debate was so scripted by our teachers, right? Like our teachers would actually go through our debates 10 times. And... There were so many times when I had to cut down on what I thought about that particular issue because my teachers told me that, no, this is not what you're supposed to write. This is what will help you win. And uh, I actually got back to my principal uh, from that school a couple of years back telling him that this should not have happened. <laughs> you should have just let me lose. <laughs> but you should have let me speak what I wanted to. And uh, and after that, I've actually developed a very good relationship with my principal <laughs> and uh, from my school. Yeah, just looking for something which I had pulled up, anticipating that I may need to refer to this when I talk to you. This is the obedient student versus the responsible student. 
and it says, let us contrast more traditional ways of teaching with the kind of teaching that nurtures self-esteem by way of a set of comparisons. And some of the key comparisons which have been done over here, the obedient student is motivated by external factors such as the need to please authority and win extrinsic approval. The responsible student is characterized by internal factors such as the need to weigh choices and experience personal consequences. Then the obedient student lacks confidence to function effectively in absence of authority, lacks initiative, waits for orders. The responsible student is more confident to function effectively in the absence of authority and takes initiative. The obedient student has feelings of helplessness and teacher dependency. The responsible students have a personal sense of empowerment and independence is common. The obedient one operates from an external value system that may not be personally appropriate and may even be harmful. The responsible student operates from internal value system while being considerate to the needs and values of others. The obedient student makes poor choices to avoid disapproval or abandonment. The responsible students may make poor choices to experience personal consequences and to satisfy curiosity. And um, we are actually punished for being responsible students in our education system. We are encouraged to be obedient. Yeah, even in the letters, we're supposed to write your obediently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even parents today, but even parents and teachers today, in a parent-teacher meeting, your child doesn't listen and your child is very obedient. These are the two most common statements. You know, I think now that we're using these words, I think my parents were very comfortable with the idea of me not being obedient. So, obviously, parents-teacher meetings, I usually told that she's good with everything, but she's just not obedient. Like, she doesn't listen. She's good with everything. So they, we can't give her less marks. Even if we cut her marks, she'll still top. <laughs> like, like, uh, so she, she, she's good with everything, all sports activities, but she doesn't listen. And um, there, there used to be so many times when I would just be standing outside the class. I would be pulled out of the assembly. I would. So I was a very notorious kid, kid by those standards. And uh, I, there were a lot of complaints that obviously went through my parents. Some of them were very humiliating for them but despite of that they never really told me to be obedient never I think not even once I remember my mother or my dad telling me Ki, you need to be obedient I, I think this just goes on to say that mental health problems they cannot be pinned down to an individual I think it's just that whole environment that ecosystem of how you have grown up of what is around you, that matters so much in the way you will deal with this situation. And I'll tell you, so all for the, until 2017 or 18, until I kept questioning why was this happening to me? And it was coined by all my health experts as generalized anxiety disorder, because we couldn't really figure out what was the reason. And it was only very recently that in one of my therapy sessions, very subconsciously, it came out that was the actual reason of my anxiety. And it was, I've never spoken about this before, but it was, I think a sexual assault that happened uh, right before my 12th class started and uh, it was very subconsciously embedded somewhere it never came out in any of my discussions and I was going through a very rigorous health uh, regime right like I, I was ha I would have sessions every week it was only when I stopped all my therapies and I, I made it more intermittent I stopped questioning I was ready to completely accept myself that this occurred and it came out that okay this is the reason this this is probably what actually triggered this off all these years so it was quite a revelation and a relief also at the same time appreciate yeah. appreciate the sharing and the vulnerability which you bring forth and I think I, I, I can only be in deep gratitude to you for uh, saying this because I think this is going to be so helpful to so many people who would be willing to listen to this and it would be so encouraging for them that this is not end of the world and there is a different way to look about it. Thank you, Pap. I'll be really glad if this can um, actually encourage others to live their life uh, more headstrong. So you talked about spirituality. What do you do? To be honest, right, there is uh, nothing much that I'm doing very actively to pursue it. I do and try to read more on spirituality, ask more questions. 
so currently i'm just living up to the curiosity that i have i really want to start uh, pursuing it in a more holistic manner and make it a part of my routine i do try to meditate i have tried different forms of meditation i have practiced art of living buddhist chanting uh, and what not but there is none that i have actually stuck to so that's not something that i'm proud of but also there was none that i actually felt like sticking to when doing this every day recently started reading a little bit of bhagavat and also on your recommendation i started reading the fall of human intellect and uh, a little more from uh, vedanta studies but yes that's more or less about it as of now and i'm really hoping i can pursue it more Atmanirbhar was started before four years. You started facing these problems on the anxiety front before about 10 years. So what was the relationship between the anxiety, the mental health problems and Atmanirbhar? How did Atmanirbhar happen? Was it a result of that? it was not a direct result of that but i think my anxiety like i said really helped me question my purpose okay so when everybody said that after doing all of this academic itna sara mehnat karke you want to come back to mathura and start a driving school i was very headstrong that this is what i want to do and i don't care if you think it is small but i think that right now this is my purpose and i don't care if the company that i'm working with currently is valued when when if i take an exit this will be so and so but i want to do this now and uh, i think that this ha- this is going to create a lot of impact and that was a result of my anxiety that i i could form those kind of perspective and approach because anxiety had happened so yes that, that is why i say i like at the end of the day i'm able to connect all dots and which is why i feel very grateful when i look back but to be honest there were days when you don't feel grateful like like you you can feel grateful when you look at a span of 10 10 years and you see okay all the good things that have happened but what do you do about gratitude on days when you are struggling to even breathe properly like a normal function you are breathing like it is difficult uh and if you can try and find three things to be grateful for even on those days trust me life will get better uh, you won't even realize but wo jo sabse difficult days hote hain on those days just uh, being grateful for having a bed those little little things on those days and feeling grateful for those days for those little things is really what helped me survive on those days you you just said that on my recommendation you are reading this book fall of human intellect but i think if i look at what has happened with you in terms of the way your parents have handled this whole situation the way they have grown you up the intellect is at such a high level in your household yeah and which is why intellect and intelligence and education are very different things yes um, there's nothing to do with each other yes absolutely well said intellect and intelligence are indeed very different things there's this one thing that i would like to say that uh, in this entire journey i've received a lot of compassion from the people around me that has helped me um, going to be very honest when somebody asked me what are the challenges that you faced in general like, like even with atmanirbhar or in dealing with my mental health i find it very challenging to think about the challenges mujhe yaad hi nahi aate like i only remember most of the good things that happened and how i get here because i was never really focusing on the challenges i was always focusing on getting better uh, getting through the day the good things but it was all possible because i was receiving a lot of love and compassion from others there was that brought in a lot of positivity and i was able to give that compassion in turn to myself and uh, i think the other day i think uh, i was saying that i want to be a more compassionate leader in the future and at that point i did not have an answer as to why mm-hmm. but thinking about today's session actually helped me understand why i want to be a more compassionate leader because i have received a lot of compassion in my life and i want to be able to give it back to the people around me uh with the same unconditionality <laughs> uh, that i have seen and uh, i know how truly life changing it can be from somebody who is going through struggles that they cannot really put into words and, uh, and if it that through atmanirbhar you are already paying it forward no i don't think atmanirbhar has uh, 
much to do about me paying forward for uh, my anxiety or my struggles. Atmanirbhar is truly about empowering women. Like I said, I come from a very conservative overall ecosystem, even though my parents are not that way. But even as a child, right, like I remember the girls around me in my neighborhood were not allowed to talk to me because I would be a negative influence on them apparently because I used to ride a bicycle. I know how truly liberating riding a bike has been for me. I always remember that Ladakh incident. I know how truly liberating riding a scooter has been for my mother. Her life has changed. You cannot even think about empowerment if you can't go from point A to point B. Thing that empowers you, you need to go out and seek empowerment. To seek empowerment, you need to go and get out. You need to be able to move, and that is what Atmanirbhar is for me. Atmanirbhar is also a way for me to bring these stories of these women closer to myself. Right? It is channelizing. It it is really empowered. women and the others who are not so empowered and bridging the gap between those stories so yes atmanirbhar is covering a lot of distances for me and for um, the women who are learning to ride scooters and their lives just changing because of that uh, it is a very small thing but it just transforms their lives completely two stories of impact from atmanirbhar Yes, absolutely. In fact, just even right now, right, the lady who uh, is our house help, her daughter is uh, one of our trainers, and she used to tag along with her mother. So in two thousand seventeen, when I started Atmanirbhar, she used to just tag along with her mother and come home because she really liked my mother a lot. So my mother would teach her. to the right and then uh, when i came back from pune and uh, i was talking about starting atmanirbhar she overheard and she was like didi mere ko bhi scooty chalani aati hai so why don't you make me a trainer and i literally just laughed it off at that point because she could not even speak like you ask her what is your name she would just like ha ha like she, she that, that that's that's how underconfident she was and uh, then gradually she did become a trainer she started earning her own money i remember to to and a half years i received a call at uh, uh, 12:31 am in the night dad received a call that uh, her brother had beaten her up because uh, she bought her own scooty in her own name okay and um, they just wanted her to get married right away and uh, because how could she buy a scooter in her own name when there were male members in the family and she comes from a village nearby very recently she bought her own plot of land a plot of land in her own name she is marrying somebody of her own choice which is a very big deal is that agency that i am not going to marry somebody just because you think i should marry them the kind of agency that these girls are practicing right now that the women are practicing right now and it, it's, it's it's in very small things we have taught women who would uh, go learn scooters in sarees with pallus not even take their pallus off and i remember one such lady who used to call her husband gunu ke papa like not even gunu ke papa okay so we remember her as gunu ki mummy and gunu ke papa so she came to uh, our office one day after she had learned and she said gunu ke papa aaj mujhe suit suit dilane le ja rahe hain so unhone bola hai ki abhi tum scooty chala lete ho acche se tum saadi pehen ke mat chalao suit pehen ke chalao aur this is a lady jinhone apni puri training ghungat pehen kar kari hai पल्लू करके करिए स्पेशली वेन इट कम्स टू फेमिनिज्म एंड वुमेन एम्पावरमेंट दैट साड़ी टू सूट रेवोल्यूशन इज गोइंग ऑन इन टीयर टू टीयर थ्री सिटीज आई हैव सीन वुमेन इन माय ओन फैमिली आर स्विच फ्रॉम साड़ी टू सूट एंड इट इज नॉट अबाउट व्हाट दे आर वेयरिंग इट इज अबाउट how what they're wearing make th- makes them feel and a suit makes these women feel really empowered so these little stories really warm my heart and keep us going there are a lot of such stories there has to be another podcast for all together <laughs> <laughs> no but just by starting with the scooty you put them on a path of escalating empowerment all through their life so i think that is wonderful good bhavni look forward to being in mathura sometime talking to your and- parents face to face and uh, hearing their story and also doing the parikrama with you definitely and i really look forward to hosting you and um, i need company over the parikrama also thank you so much pavni for being on this uh, podcast for being on small big wins and more than anything else pavni i 
respect you so much for talking to me and bringing out your own story completely and within the story today sharing the most the source or the most difficult moments of the story thank you very much thank you so much i would just like to end by saying when we fight a block it grows stronger when we acknowledge experience and accept it it starts melting and that's you pavni thank you so much once again harsh for providing me with the safe space that i could talk about um, all of these issues uh, there are so many feelings so many incidents so the last 10 years are a lot to digest in retrospect uh, and i did not think that i would be able to put it in words or uh, talk about it absolutely thank you thank you